right, all right, all right. Good morning, Northridge. How are we? Oh, good. That was good. I love that response. Hey, I am excited to continue this Picture Perfect Family series. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to turn those on, open them up, find your way to Deuteronomy 6. That's kind of where we're going to be hanging out today. But as you're finding your way there, let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you in the room are parents? Let me see those hands. Parents? Yep, yep, yep. Cool. How many of you are not yet a parent, but you want to be a parent? Iris, raise your hand. We all know that you want to be a parent someday. Okay. How many of you in this room know a parent of some sort? All of your hands. All of your hands. This, this message is for you. If you know a parent, you are a parent. If you are a parent of a 60-year-old, um, you are still a parent. Um, we are going to be talking to you. Let me ask you a question. As you think about being a parent, how would you define success in raising that next generation? Well, what does success look for you? Like, like if you're looking 10, 15, 20 years in the future, what does that look like? Like for us, like if we're looking at our culture, I think our culture would define success as raising well-rounded, well-educated, happy children. Would you, would you agree that's kind of what our culture kind of says would be? I would argue all day long that success in raising that next generation is far from that definition. No, no, no. One of the most important things, the most important thing that we can do as parents is to pass on a relationship with Christ to the next generation. That is the most important thing. Because in the end, if, if they have all the things in the world, but they don't have Jesus, it is meaningless. Just, just take a step back and think about this for a second, though. Well-rounded. Like when we hire at the church, we're not necessarily looking for well-rounded people. No, we're looking for people who are really good at a couple of things, at those things that we want them to do. Well-educated. Like, I'm all about education. I think education is important. My kids are going to be educated. But here's the thing. I would much rather have a child that is faithful and uh, honest and pure and kind than somebody who gets an A on every math test. Honestly, that's what I would... Happy. Like, our, our culture says that you have to be happy, but, but our culture's definition of happy is tied so much to what's happening around them. And I would much rather have a child that was joyful, who was filled with joy that no matter what was going on around them, that they would understand who they are and what's important in life. And this is so important because Jesus' perspective is so different. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 16, 26. It says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Like, that's so big. Like, think about it. What, what good is it if your kids have all the things, if they've done all the things, they've played all the sports, and they don't have Jesus? What, what good is it? Here's our sermon in a sentence. This is where we're going today. The greatest calling that we can have is to impart spiritual life to the next generation. Parents, you and I, our greatest calling is to impart spiritual life to the next generation. We're not called to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy children. On the contrary, we are called to unleash single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers for the world, for the glory of God. We are called to unleash a generation that knows who they are and why they were created. That is what we are here for. Parents, our goal is to gradually to remove dependence from us and transfer it to God. 
Because just, just think about it. Like when they're a baby, they depend on you completely. You feed them, you clothe them. They can't do anything by themselves. As, as they grow up, they gradually can take on more and more of those responsibilities and take care of themselves. And so a lot of us think that my goal is to transfer responsibility from myself to them. No, our, our goal is to transfer dependence from, from me to God. That they depend completely and wholly on God who loves them and will never give up on them and is faithful to them in every single way. So now where does this come from? Deuteronomy 6. This is, this is where we are. But let me give you a little bit of context. Deuteronomy 5 is where we see the Ten Commandments, like the big ten that, that God has given Moses. And the Israelites are supposed to draw all of their, their, their life plans and goals and, and make decisions based off of these. And, and here in, in 6, Moses gives one of the best teachings on parenthood in all of Scripture. He says this, these are the commands, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. As you teach your children to fear the Lord, not only do you change, but the next generation will also be changed if we as parents train our children to depend on God instead of us or themselves. What they will see is the one who created everything. Like, do you realize that you as parents have the ability to change the trajectory of generations? That you have the power in you right now to break generational curses, to break, to break generational sin that has cursed your family. You have the power inside of you to impart spiritual faith for generations after you. But how? How do we do that? Deuteronomy 6 gives us some of the, the most important principles that we could live by. Number one, it teaches us to love God. Love God. Super simple. Like, that, that's it. Where, where does this come from? Verse 4, though, we get this famous Shema. The Shema is the, the prayer that Jews would pray three times a day. They, they still pray this today, three times a day. And it goes like this. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I love that guttural language that it is. But it means this. Here, the Shema means here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it goes on and says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Love the Lord your God. That's what Jesus would later say is the greatest commandment. You notice the scripture doesn't say to love God with just some, like some of your heart a little bit of it, like, just, just give me a percentage of it. No, he says, love me with all of you, of who you are. Because what's the most dangerous thing we can do as parents it is to give our children just a little bit of God. Like, like think about it. What, what is a vaccine? A vaccine is just a little piece of, of the disease. It just takes a part of it or a dead part of it, and they inject you in it, and all of a sudden, you become immune to that disease. What happens when you give your children just a little bit of God, not the whole glory of who he is, but just, just a little piece of him? 
You begin to inoculate your children against who God really and truly is, and they won't see it or feel it. They find themselves knowing just a little bit about God, but not knowing who he is. Scripture teaches us that we should love God with all of our heart, but man, that is hard in this culture, isn't it? There are so many distractions. There are so many things that we want to do and have and buy and see, and, and so all of a sudden, like, like we're thinking, like as a parent, I, I don't know about you, but as a dad, like I want my kids to have a better life than I had, right? Like I, I want them to have these things, and I want them to enjoy, and we work so hard at pouring ourselves into our careers so that they can have that, that our, our children don't get what they actually need, which is a deeper relationship with the only one that they really need to know. We want to provide the best opportunity so we get them into soccer and football and baseball and t-ball and gymnastics and dance and we're doing all these things and all of a sudden we're so busy we can't even breathe. And then when they're 16, like we have to get them a car, right? It's almost a, it's almost a sin for, for a 16-year-old to not have their own vehicle. And then they're going to college, so we got to save up so they can get into the best schools and go to the best place. And before long, if we're not careful, we become child-centered parents instead of God-centered parents. Our lives revolve around children rather than our lives revolving around God. There's a quote from Edward Duke of Windsor that really struck me. He said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way that parents obey their children. Like, ouch, right? This is an outsider looking in Americans. Like, think about that. Parents, question. Are you leading your children? Or are your children leading you? Because you are the head of the household. You set the tone. You are the spiritual leaders of that house. And back when we were in Colorado, I had a friend. We went to our church. And, and like, if you asked him, he would say, like, I love God. I'm on fire for God. And one day I ran into him in the supermarket. Like, here that's a normal thing. You always run into somebody here. But in the big city, you never run into somebody you know. But I ran into him. Like, hey, bud, where, where have you been? I haven't seen you in, like, a couple of weeks. Like, what's going on? Like, you've been going to another church, right? He's like, ah, oh, no, you know, life's been kind of crazy. Like, I'm coaching my son's soccer team. Our daughter, she's in club softball, so you know, like, all the travel with that is. And, so we've been kind of too busy for church. And that kind of shook me, right? Like, that, that's crazy. Like, too busy for church? Love God with all your heart, and you don't have time to worship God with his people and honor his name? Now, parents, don't, don't kid yourself. The message that you will send to your kids about this is significant. How important is your involvement in church? Well, and I'm not talking about like just to show up for church five minutes late and, and leave during the announcement so you can beat everybody else to El Amigo. No, I'm talking about like legit involvement in church. Like you are bought in, you are a partner of the church, you are here serving, you're finding biblical community and you're growing in your relationship, you're contributing to the family of God. How important is a role like that with your children? I came across a Pew Research study that said for children... To have your faith passed on to your children, the number one indicator was consistent involvement in the church. 80% of children whose parents were involved in the church regularly found their way to faith later in their life. 
If, if we, my parents do this so well, like if we went on vacation, we found a church there that we went to. If I had a baseball game, I remember this vividly, I had a baseball game once during Sunday morning. I was at church. I wasn't at that game. Do you know what that told me about the importance of church? What it told me about the importance of biblical community? Like it's huge. But what do you think you're telling your children when you make church optional? We're, we're going to go to the lake. We're, we're going to sleep in today. No, we're going we're gonna to go to the Georgia Bulldogs game. Like, we've we got we to gotta get our tailgate on. What, what does that tell God, to tell your children about God? What message are you telling them when you make him optional? Parents, do you love God with all your hearts? Like, like Jesus never lowered the standard, did he? No, he, he, he never lowered it. In fact, when he invited somebody, he said, he'd come, come and love me. He never said just a little bit. He said, you want to follow me? Lose your life. He said to the, the guy who, who had all the stuff, he said, sell your stuff and then come follow me. He said, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Jesus never lowered the bar. He said, all of me. Parents, do you love God with all of your heart or just, just, just some of it? Because just a little bit isn't going to do your kids any good. It's not enough. So parents, the best thing you can do for our children, love God. And the next thing Deuteronomy 6 teaches us is be authentic. Be authentic. We must lead our lives authentically. This comes from the next verse of Deuteronomy. Listen, listen to this. These are the commandments that I have given you today. They're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you drive to T-ball, when you're driving to school, you talk about it. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house. Put them in a picture frame. Hang them on your wall. Make sure it's around and on the houses of your gates. We lead our family spiritually. Spiritual talk becomes not just something that we do on weekends, on our drive to church, or on Wednesdays when we're driving our kids to youth group. No, it is day in, day out, a part of who we are. In other words, God is not a part of your life. He is your life. He's not an add-on. He's the center of everything you do. Now, here's where I get pushback. I'm like, hold on, John. I don't want to shove Jesus down their throat because then they'll reject it. Come on. Two things. I got two points for you. Number one, we shove things down our kids' throats all the time because it's what's best for them. We send them to school because we know it is important for them to be educated. We send our kids to the doctor. We make them get shots. We make them eat certain foods that they do and do not want because it is what is best for them. The best thing you can do is introduce your child to what is most important in life. My parents did this with me. I was 17, and my parents wanted me to go to a Christian camp, and I did not want to. Like, I was angry at the world. I was at angsty age. Like, I, I was cursing them out for making me go, and it changed my life because at that camp, I experienced other youth who loved God authentically, were some of the nicest people I ever met. I heard stories and lessons that changed me. My parents made me go, and I am here standing in front of you today because of what they did. Sometimes we make our kids do what is best for them because we know what is best for them. But here's the, the other point. That you you got to hear this. In my experience, if when you shove it down their throats 
and you do it inauthentically, there's hypocrisy in the home, they will reject it every time. If you shove it down their throats and you are not living it out, every, they will virtually every time reject what you are saying. On the other hand, when it is very real to you, when they see the benefits and the authenticity, more often than not, that will create an intimacy that they will desire. I'm telling you, though, if it's not real, they will smell it. Your kids are not dumb. Your kids are some of the smartest people around, and when you don't live it, they will know it. But here's the thing. You don't have to be cool or hip. You just have to be real and authentic. They just want you to live out what you're saying. But a lot of us, we have what I call a Chinaware faith. You know, you know what China is, right? It's like those fancy plates. Uh, some of you younger people may not know this, but my mom had these plates called China. And it was blue and fancy, and man, they were expensive. So they stayed up in the hutch. Like, you look at them. You maybe use them two or three times a year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, right? But the rest of the time, they're up there. They're valuable, they're important, but they're not a part of our everyday lives. A lot of us live our faith like China wear. A lot of us, like, there's this God, there's this church deal, it's valuable, it's important, but it's not a part of our everyday life. We'll, we'll take it out two, three times a year, you know, when it's, when it's special, but uh, if, if he is not a part of your everyday life, you cannot expect the next generation to follow you. If you want them to read God's word, let them see you reading God's word. If you want them to pray, let them see you on your knees begging God for this glory and his mercy in your life. If you want them to value church, like, like skip something else that's important to you. Like, how, why is it that so often church is like lower on our priority list? Like, ah, we got the football game. I'll sleep in for j just one time. Let them see you skip something that's important to you to go to church. What message will that tell them? If you, if you want them to have better friends, hey, you're running around with the wrong people. Do they see you involved in biblical community, like a, a community group where you're being poured into, or, or are you just hanging out with whatever people you want? If you, you, you want them to make church a priority, then you make it a priority. If you want to live within, them to live with integrity, you live with integrity. You don't ask them to do something that you won't do yourself. You want them to, to stop living for the things of this world and stop buying things with money that you don't even have, going in debt for all these things that are worthless. Do you know what that tells your kids about what's most important to you? Stuff. When you live with hypocrisy, they can see it, they can smell it, and they won't want anything to do with it. But when you live authentically, when you live really on fire for Christ, that he is who you say he is, they will want that. But living authentically isn't enough. You've seen these verses. How do we pass it on faith? Number one, we love God. Number two, we live authentically. Number three, we train them. We train them. It's the third thing we do. There's a well-known proverb that says this about training. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Really quick, side note. This is a proverb. This is not a promise. 
Like there have been plenty of people who have trained up their children and things did not turn out great. Okay? This, this, is, this works 90% of the time, but it's not a promise. But here's the thing. A lot of times you'll see this promise, this, this proverb come true after you're gone. You might not even see the results of what you've done. So, so hang in there. But here's the thing. This word train up is, is really interesting. It's, it's Hebrew chanak. And it's this word that actually means like the palate of your mouth. And what Hebrew midwives would do when a, a child was born is they would take uh, their finger and they would dip it into paste. Maybe it would be plum or oil or some kind of herb. And they would put it on the palate of the mouth of the baby. And what this would do, it, was, it would initiate nursing. It would create a craving, a, a desire to nurse. And this is what we do as parents. We hanak. We, we create, initiate a craving for that which is true and right and holy and pure. And when they see that, they will want the same thing for themselves. Our role is to transfer that dependence from us to God. You are the divine authority. You set the tone. They might say, well, how, how do you do this? How do you do this training, John? What I'm not going to do, I'm not going to tell you, hey, do this, this, and this, and this. What I am going to tell you is that you have to live intentionally to be an effective leader. Whatever that means, seek the heart of God and do it intentionally, purposefully, and authentically. But what I will tell you is how Lindy and I do it in our lives. Just briefly, the, the first thing we do, most, probably the most important thing we do, is reread the Bible to our kids every day. You, you remember uh, that Pew research I, I, I told you about? That, that study said that the number two best indicator for if your faith is going to be passed on to the next generation is if that child reads the Bible. So every day, it doesn't matter how crazy the day was, they might lose TV, they might lose books, they might lose something else, but we never lose this Bible. Every night we read it. And parents, can I help you out? Like, get this Bible right here. This is called the Action Bible. And it's written in graphic novel style, so it's got pictures and it's got like, like a comic book style. Like, this Bible is fun. Like, we've read it through all the way. And I swear my kids have a better knowledge of the chronology of the Bible and what the stories in the Bible are than I did at 16, 18. Like, honestly, this is great. This Bible right here, the, the Beginner's Bible, we have read this so many times. Like, I'm almost sick of this Bible. We've read it so many times. But the kids love it, especially when they're her age. She's cute, isn't she? That's my, these are my kids. Oh. This is the Adventure Bible that uh, Titus got when he graduated kindergarten. Uh, if your kids go here, they will get one. Like, he loves this because it has all the details. That's how he puts it. All the details. I can't wait for him to get older and read that himself. Here's the thing, though. If we travel, we don't take those with us. You know what there is? There's the YouVersion Kids app. It is amazing. Like, parents, if you think reading the Bible to your kids is boring, you're wrong. Like, reading the Bible is fun. My kids love it. They look forward to it every night. If it's boring, it's because it's on you. Like, honestly, the Bible is exciting, it is powerful, it is the Word of God, and your kids will love it if you just read it to them. Read it to them every day. The, the next thing that we do every day is we pray. The number three, third thing on that Pew Research study, that if you want to know if your faith is going to be passed on to your next child, is that they're praying. We pray with our kids every day. My parents were so good about this. We, we prayed at every meal. We prayed when we traveled. We, we just prayed all the time. Me and my kids, we, we pray all the time. If we hear in an ambulance, like, we're going to pray for them. Hey, God, whoever is in need of this, be with them. You see a, a police car or, or a fire truck rushing off, we, we pray, God, be with that situation. Whatever's happening, be with them. 
Their, their kid, a friend at school is sick or in pain. Hey, God, be with Chloe. It doesn't have to be long. It's super simple. You just pray. Pray all the time. And then every night, every night I pray this prayer over my children. This is probably the most powerful thing I do. But it comes from number six. It's this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. This is the priestly blessing from number six. And every night I pray this, and then I continue the prayer with some of the stuff that I add. May he make you wise and kind and loving and brave. May you always know that you are loved. And may many people know Jesus because of you. And then we'll pray for whatever's going on in the day. But every night I pray this prayer. And my children will know exactly what their dad wants for them when they are grown up. My kids can already recite this prayer. Some of you are like, oh, it's a, it's a memorized prayer. That's no good. Do you know that for most of Christendom, memorized prayers are what people prayed for people? There's nothing wrong with memorizing a prayer and praying that over somebody if there's intentionality and purpose to it. Sometimes I write my own prayers up here and I read it when I pray at the end of a sermon. Sometimes that intentionality is good. So pray. Find whatever works for you and your family. But here's what you need to hear. This is so important for you to hear. We are very serious at Northridge about partnering with you to lead your children. But here's the thing. It's not our job. It's your job to transfer that dependence. It is your job. We get your kids maybe one or two hours a week. That's it. You get them day in, day out the rest of their life. It is your job to transfer your dependence. But here's the thing. We won't just abandon you that. We have given you all kinds of tools and resources. Parents, if you have not downloaded the ParentQ app yet, you need to. This is an amazing resource that we give to you. Um, that I took three sh screenshots, if you're wondering what it looks like. Three screenshots of the app. And this app will help you in so many ways. Number one, it'll make you cry because it shows you how much time you have left with your children before they go to high college, and that's heartbreaking. But it gives you Bible verses to read. It gives you devotionals. It gives you questions that you can ask your kids to be intentional throughout the day. Like, this is an incredible resource for you. If you don't have the app yet, just, just go to your store and you search Parent Can Find It. But here's the thing. Parents, it's on you. It's not on us. It's on you to transfer dependence from yourself to God. And you will be successful. You will be successful, not if you expose your kids to all the great things and sports and give them all the toys in the world. You will be successful if you expose your children to the great truths of who God is, his power, his goodness, the power of his spirit, the power of prayer and the truth of his word. How do we do that? We love God, not with just a little bit of our hearts, all of it. We're authentic. We don't tell our kids one thing and do another. We train them. Because we know that nothing in life is worth it without work. And so we put in the time and effort. So God, we come before you now when we pray for the parents in this room. God, for the single parent who's here and they're just struggling to get by. God, we pray that you empower them to give them the strength and the time to impart you authentically. God, for the parents in here whose, parent, whose kids are just long gone, they're parents of their own now, and they have no idea how to speak authentically into to their kids' and grandkids' lives anymore, God, we pray that you give them wisdom 
and opportunities to speak that life. God, we, we pray for the parents who, who feel like they got it all together and, and they're just kind of having fun out there. God, we pray that you transform their daily lives into one that is centered around you and that their kids can see you at work in their lives. God, we pray for the parents that are just struggling today. In this moment, their kid just cursed at them on their way to, to church today. God, give them the strength to keep on keeping on, to keep the faith, to continue to love and walk alongside their children. For the parents represented in this room, God, we pray that you bless them and you keep them. You turn your face upon them, be gracious to them. You look down upon them and you give them peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.